That's always good when you start off with a laugh. Science, it's great. Pregnant, a uh, young girl, <laughs> teen, doesn't know how to tell her parents. <laughs> Movie freaks. Edward Furlong's in it, too. I am freaking hopeless. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to Movie Freaks, the only podcast on the net that follows your mom on Twitter, even though she's not funny and kind of racist. I'm Eric Marner. <laughs> and I'm Eugene Weaver. <laughs> and we got a fun show for you tonight. We are doing the roulette, as always. We're going to do a director spotlight. And we'll get to some recently watched. And that's about going to be it, because yeah. I have all the things I have to tell you, such as Four Nights of Fulci. Don't forget about that. And that's been occupying a lot of our time. That's why I have very little in the recently watched. But that's okay. Uh, and I'm assuming it's going to be that way through October, and, yep. and then we'll get back on track. Uh, okay, let's start, not waste any time, right off with the roulette. Okay. Where we force each other to watch movies so that you can find those gems in the rough. And I want to clarify, make sure it's very clear, that is why we do it. It's not to crap on all the crappy movies on Netflix, it's to find the gems that don't get enough attention. It's a... Pro thing, not a con. Yes. Okay. Last episode we had the Scribbler versus Reality. And I'm going to let you go first, sir. How oh, okay. was Reality? Uh, okay, so first off, Reality is from the director of uh, Rubber. Now, have you watched mm. that movie? No, I haven't watched it yet. I that's need about... to. There's no reason I haven't. I just haven't got around to it. Okay, that's about the uh, killer rubber tire that... that... Kills people, and it's very, uh, uh, very French, art house ish, and cool. Uh, it's directed by Quentin du- oh, du- Duplay. So it's Quentin, Quentin Dude. <laughs> Quentin Dude. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, yes. We'll call him Quentin. Okay. Um, so, movie is reality, it's a comedy. And uh, it's got a lot of uh, familiar faces in the movie. And here's where it's, it, it's hard for me to describe what the movie is about because it is, um, it is a dream and reality back and forth to where it's almost like this um, ongoing cycle of you're like almost trapped in a continuous thing going on. Does that make sense? Yeah, okay. Um, wannabe director is given 48 hours by a producer to find the best groan of pain worthy of an Oscar as the only condition to back his film. And uh, again, like, so you're, you're not sure if you're watching a dream and then it's like, oh, that was a dream. And then it's, okay, are we still watching a dream? And now is it reality? Is it, and that's why it's called reality. And it goes Mm -hmm. on and on and on like that for 90 minutes. Uh, and it's, it's hard to follow, but it's really cool how they do it. And it's so French bizarre, but very interesting. It's not like, come on, get on with it. It's just there's always something weird going on on the screen. Like Rubber. I, I think I liked Rubber better, uh, but this is technically probably a better made movie as far as like the – you can tell they have a, a bigger budget with this. Um, it's a, it's about more than just a random inanimate object killing people. Yes, yes. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> uh, but it's I, I I really like that. Um, 
you're thinking you're watching a movie. I, I don't want to spoil the thing because I think you should watch it. But okay. a little girl and her father and the killing of a pig and the gutting of a pig. And that bleeds into this this show with, uh, uh, what's his name, from... Um, uh, John he- uh, John Heater is in this uh, from oh okay yeah and and so it, and he's got this itch this like he's itching his skin and it's such it's so weird it's so weird and quirky comedy and uh, I give it a thumbs up but it is very much art house made for a certain crowd and if you're not that crowd you're probably going to hate it. So a passing thumbs up for the right demographic, but at least give it a chance. It's not yes, like one of those yes. sore horrible that just don't oh, even no, no, bother. No, no. Okay. no I, I liked it. I give it I give it a thumbs up. Not a huge thumbs up, but I give it a thumbs up. Um, well, I'm not sure where you would fall on this one. I really don't know. You might be like, oh, that was really cool. Or you might be like, yeah, that was that was incomprehensible nonsense. But I thought it was it was neat how you kept on like, okay, now that was a dream, but now I think it's kind of reality. And it's it's it is literally like I know, you know, French, it's, it's almost like a, a 90 minute moving piece of art is almost what it felt like they were going for. So it's very weird, but I'm glad I watched it. So, I mean, I've been having a pretty good run of, uh, of thumbs ups, honestly, with the roulette. Cool. I, I gotta tell you, man, I can't believe that this is happening again, but it's happening again. Uh, copy Eugene's review and, uh, paste it right in here and call it the scribbler. Oh, really? Same thing, man. I'm going to give it a passing thumbs up, but it's very weird, and you could go <laughs> you could go either way on it. It's worth uh, absolutely worth watching once for the uh, the art style, the art direction. It, it's very uh it's very strange. It's very hard to describe. There were times where I got uh, hints of the crow in Ooh, there. Oh, wow. But then it's very much not the crow, very much. Yeah. I didn't say that. We didn't say that enough last time, uh, in the last episode. Very much this, very much that. No. Uh, <laughs> but the synopsis was, Suki has used the experimental Siamese burn device to erase most of her multiple personalities, but one remains, and it may or may not be her own. And it's about um, uh, mental patients or crazy people that get released into like a housing unit, and it's like this apartment building and uh, some people call it the last step or something because a lot of them go in there and go into this high rise and end up killing themselves but it's sort of like a stepping stone to get them back into the real world so it's basically a housing unit full of quote-unquote formerly crazy people so you meet all kinds of crazy types coming and going out of there and Suki walks in there with a bunch of different personalities and she's one of them is this scribbler who writes on the walls backwards and then there, you know, meets the other guy across the hall who's a sex addict, and this other girl's a sex addict, and this other one killed her boyfriend, and but it's all very colorful and lively, very much so tired, very much. Log that right with amazing, as I say it all the freaking time. <laughs> See, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't even notice it. <laughs> uh, I'm up like four times in this episode alone. Well, I have 50 last episode. But you were guilty of that too, so I didn't feel too bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, it's, you know, it's it's such a unique film that it's it's definitely worth taking a look at. Uh, okay. 
very I, I even I even thought of like uh, Tetsuo the Iron Man with the the machine. It's just like lots of wires coming and going. You don't quite understand, but they shock themselves and then they either reach enlightenment or destroy one of their uh, alternate personalities and then they get superpowers maybe or is it in their head? So there's a lot of that dream sequence kind of stuff going back and forth. Is it real? Is it not? And you know, I I give it a passing thumbs up, at least for trying really freaking hard, and it, I enjoyed it. It was very strange, and I think you might enjoy it too. But oh, yeah. again, but, I don't know. You might come out yeah. the other end and be like, "Nah, that sucked." Yeah, uh, I, but that's the same with same with reality. You might not like it at all. I it. But for these little unknown films, I'm going to give it a pass. Yeah. Uh, so, you know what, dear listener and audience, check these movies out and let us know what you think. Yeah. Did you love it? Did you hate it? Were you just mad on it? Anyway, let's move on to the next round. Okay. Uh, I'll go ahead and go first. You gave me The Loft, Kung Fu Killer, Mystery of Spoon River, Stranded, and Skin Trade again, even though I've said I'm not going to take it. Um, Still trying. It's okay. Dolph, it's you're, you're, Dolph you're Lundgren. Push, it's Dolph Lundgren. It's also, <coughs> what is it, Tony Jaa? And yeah. Yeah. Kung Fu Killer is, uh, what's his name, who hasn't made a good movie in a few years. Uh, <laughs> I've dived on too many of his grenades. The Loft was awfully tempting, especially considering it was uh, possibly Steve. Steven's worst movie of yes, the last I, few years. That, it's, that, it's, on that, my, it's on my list to watch. I, was, I had another one picked out until I listened to their episode, Cinema's. Uh, yeah. sidekicks go listen to them uh, until I listened to that today where he was like the loft is the worst one and I was like that looked really bad but him saying it's the worst one of the year made me kind of want to give it <laughs> just a yeah. chance just to maybe see how bad it is um, mystery of spoon river has an impossibly cool cover and premise and I added that one though I'm not going to pick it for this round because it'd be too easy stranded I was like what is that was that the one with what's his name and i oh yeah i went uh christian slater yeah um, so i went and added that one again and looked at it and was like oh i watched 10 minutes then quit and i can't remember why i think i just was busy or something but I, i'm gonna take stranded i'm gonna die oh, i'm okay? kind of in the mood I, i'm kind of in the mood for a sci-fi bomb uh, and it sounds like a total alien ripoff, but I'll give it a shot. And, uh, you know, the mystery of Spoon River, that's a little more up your alley, but I did add that one cause that looked, that looked pretty cool. So I know, uh, yeah. either I'll watch it or you'll watch it, but any, at any rate, it's on the list. So, uh, Good. stranded for me next round. What are you taking? Okay. So for me, you threw my way because I was a painter, which is a documentary, uh, come drink with me a, uh, Shaw brothers Kung Fu movie from the sixties. Into the Abyss, that's another documentary from um, uh, Warren Herzog, correct? <laughs> Werner or Warren? Warren yeah, <laughs> something. I, uh, <laughs> Warner Herzog. Yeah, he's <laughs> the guy. Oh, you're yeah. good, you're good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, wetlands about, uh, about something, <laughs> something sex, I, yeah. It's about a woman, and it's a comedy about sex, and it's called Wetlands. So there you go. And then White-Haired Witch, which is a CGI animated uh, anime-type deal. No, it's not. Really? No, that's a live-action kung fu martial arts fantasy thing. Are you? Really? I'm sure there's a lot of CGI in it, but it's not an animated film, Mm. as far as I know. That's that's, because I looked at... I just... Honestly, I knew... Well... After looking at these, I'm like, ah, I'm in the mood for a certain one. 
I glanced at the cover and the synopsis for White Haired Witch on Netflix, and just glancing at it, I thought that it was a CGI type uh, movie. But I no, I guess that I was the, huh. the long shot. I, I like to give you uh, some real solid picks. Yeah, uh, one or two that are in your wheelhouse, maybe, and you know, a documentary, obviously, and then one long shot, and it's yeah. sort of like if you take the long shot, that's on you. That would be the long shot of the group. Yeah. Yep. The uh, others so all I, have good reviews. Yep. Well, and you know, I uh, I, I was going to take something else, but I'm like, you know what? You've thrown several Shaw Brothers movies at me already that I have not taken. I'm going to take a Shaw Brothers movie this time. So, Come Drink with Me is going to be my movie uh, for Roulette. Good, and I'm hoping it will get you into a groove of going and watching yeah. these on Netflix because of how cleaned up they are. Yeah. And that is one that I hear mentioned quite a bit when I talk Shaw Brothers movies with other people online. It come oh, really? It has come up quite a bit. I haven't got around to watching it yet, but I looked at the screenshot on Netflix, and it was like, that is so cleaned up for, what, I think, 66? Yeah, 1966, yeah. And I guess it's a, it's a very iconic um, one, because it's an earlier one from the Shaw Brothers. Yeah. So Because I've seen a bunch of Shaw Brothers movies, most of the more famous ones, and I, I had never heard of this one. So I'm like, you know what? It's time. It's time that I... there There's numerous Shaw Brothers movies on Netflix that, like you said, are cleaned up in HD, so I need to start getting in, getting into these, so... That's my pick. Awesome. Okay. Stay tuned next episode. Stranded versus Come Drink With Me. That should be interesting. Yes. Uh, Okay. We are probably the only people on Earth that have ever mentioned (laughs) that that Christian Slater movie and Come (laughs) Drink With Me. At the same time. (laughs) Yep. In the same episode. I'm okay with that. That's what makes this show so different and interesting. Uh, okay, let's move into our director spotlight. I'm trying to hurry us in there so we get have plenty of time to talk about him. But yeah, uh, because this guy is very near and dear to my heart, and the reason I wanted to, or it sprung to mind to do a director spotlight with him this week, is because today his new film opens, and that is The Walk, starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and that would make it Robert Zemeckis. So. Let's start off with, as we always do with these, uh, interesting news and notes, whatever. We'll go back and forth. Yep. Tidbits. Uh, right off the bat, the most boring one, he sits on the USC School of Cinema Television's Board of Counselors. I thought that was quite interesting. Yeah, it's always good when directors are involved in groups that make decisions or uh, at least have a hand in furthering the education of other people. I don't know exactly what the Board of Counselors does at the USC School of Cinema Television, but I'm sure that it it, it has elements of those things involved. Uh, for me, uh, one thing that I love about Robert Zemeckis, and I, I love... There's not one... Well, I don't want to spoil anything already, but there's not one Zemeckis movie that I flat-out hate or even don't like. Um, but obviously some are better than others. Uh, and here's one of the main reasons is he is always he always seems to be on the cutting edge of state of the art special effects. And honestly, like movies trump his as far as special effects go, but the movies that he comes out with, um, they are cutting edge and they truly are. And I'm looking on IMDb now. Back to the Future, cutting edge for '85. Who Framed Roger Rabbit '88. Forrest Gump in '94 with the uh, CGI, you know, CGIing him in with. Yeah. Uh, Contact, which I can't wait to talk about Contact. And then, of course, (laughs) one of my favorite movies of all time, Polar Express, uh, which 
I know that it gets a lot of hate for kind of the weird-looking characters in that, but from 2004, that movie is incredible. Hey, I looked at the uh, box office numbers, and that's one of his highest-grossing movies. So if there's the, if it's going to get hate, it's not from the the mainstream audience out there. The do you mean Polar Express or Contact? Yeah, yeah. yeah Polar, Polar Express. Express. I remember when that one came out. The first weekend, I remember this. Uh, the first weekend, it was it did so so, and then it kept on chugging along and along and along and along and like every week it just it just. Which I appreciate. Crap, there you go. Chugging, 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 chugging along. Yeah. Polar Express. Yeah. I got it. Yes. Chugging, chugging. Um, okay. But, so, but I, I think that was really cool. How that movie just it had legs, and it was it is. Well, yeah, I, I'll get into Polar Express later on, but I, I really like that he is on the cutting edge of technology, and he still does that. And I'm sure we have neither of us have obviously seen The Walk yet, but I have a feeling that the C or the the 3D in that is going to be phenomenal. I agree. I love the stories that I'm hearing right now of people uh, throwing up in the theater and getting sick yes. because the 3D is so amazing and yes. mind blowing. Like I come to expect that. Okay, let's stay yeah. on track. <clears throat> Uh, okay. No, no more train puns. Okay. No! Uh, <laughs> uh, he spent one year developing Cocoon, which came out in 85, but was fired by 20th Century Fox when he screened the final cut of Romancing the Stone for studio executives, who thought it was a disaster and destined to become Zemeckis' third straight box office failure. And that will come into play when we break down my top ten because Romancing the Stone did not turn out to be a disaster at all. Uh, more on that later. Okay, back to you. Um, he won three... Uh, he had He's directed three actors in Oscar-nominated performances, Tom Hanks twice, Gary Sinise, and Denzel Washington. Hanks won for his first nominated performance in a Zemeckis feature, Forrest Gump. And it just seems like this guy is just constantly attached to uh, just top-tier stuff. And... Even contact, like I, I personally think that Jodie Foster uh, should have been nominated for uh, an Oscar in that movie. I think that that, that is such an iconic role, and uh, Contact to me is the closest thing to Christopher Nolan's Interstellar. Uh, those two movies, I think, live in a very similar universe, and I, I, I love that movie. I, I love Interstellar. I love that t- that type of thing, and I think that uh, Matthew McConaughey was in both of them. And yeah. I thought that, that Jodie Foster and Matthew McConaughey were so good. And I think that Contact was overlooked in the Oscars. Uh, even though it got a little bit sappy towards the end, that was still uh, one we'll of the We'll get there. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll get into Contact. Don't worry about yeah. that. We're on the so, same. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if a lot of ours are very similar on mm-hmm. our top ten. Uh, okay, I got one more here, and it's a little longer, and then I'm going to be done for the news and notes what section. Uh, as a result of winning a Student Academy Award at USC for his film A Field of Honor, uh, Zemeckis came to the attention of Steven Spielberg. Spielberg said, quote, He barged right past my secretary and sat me down and showed me the student film, and I thought it was spectacular, with police cars and a riot all dubbed to Elmer Bernstein's score for The Great Escape. Spielberg became Zemeckis' mentor and executive produced his first two films, both of which Zemeckis co-wrote with uh, Gale. Gale? Gale? Bob Gale. Bob Gale? Yeah. Okay, anyway, I thought that was interesting that he just is one of those guys that forced his way through the door, and at yeah. that, that time you could kind of get away with doing those kinds of things, and now yeah. not so much. But yeah. I still thought that was very interesting, especially considering their ongoing working relationship. 
Yeah, yeah. It's interesting how things used to be and how they are now with, with people just making their own stuff and uploading it onto the internet. But back then, it's like even even James Cameron. It's like he just... he. He did what he could. He uh, he made the that Piranha Two movie, and he worked with Roger Corman. It's like these guys that are now icons in in Hollywood. They did things like they were the standouts. They they all have like some back alley way that they weaseled their way into the yeah. industry. It wasn't like they went through any main channels. It was they all had yeah. an interesting story about. Oh, I did this, and they said I couldn't yeah. do it, and I just did it. And yeah, you know, that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Well, hey, the last one that I have is, because I'm a horror guy, I want to just make mention that he owns two production companies, uh, Image Movers and Dark Castle Entertainment, which he co-owns with Joel Silver. Now, I'm not sure if that is still a thing. There was a time when Dark Castle was releasing a lot of movies, but I'm not sure where that falls now. Um, I did watch one recently. Uh, it was a roulette, actually. We were talking was, about it. I can't even remember. Yeah, now. What it, was it? it wasn't good. It was the one that I liked. That he's a he's a kung fu type guy. He's I, he was in the ninja movies, Ninja One and Two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Scott Atkins. Scott Atkins. Yeah, it was some Mexico. I, it, yeah. it was not. It was <laughs> yeah, not good at all. But that's. Yeah. But it had the Dark Castle title attached to it. So I'm like, well, it's still a thing, I guess. Maybe. Yeah. Um, but it's not what it was I like their goal originally was to release a horror movie every year on the uh, in October or something but it has fallen away from that as far as I'm as far as I know yeah yeah but boy I remember the good old days where Ghost Ship and uh, uh, 13 Ghosts 13 Ghosts and House on Haunted Hill I mean those were some good movies I thought they started they started off strong but then it quickly went eh, down here a little bit yep yes it did but that's okay. It was good to good to have ambition and go for it. But yeah. pick better stuff. I think the, where I completely jumped ship with them was the the Halle Berry one. Yeah, me too. That we watched that in the theater together, and we were like, ugh, not Ouch. so much. Yeah. Yep. But so his movies. Yes. Here yes, we go. Top top ten Zemeckis movies. Break them down. Uh, okay, I'll kick us off here. Uh, and I, I haven't seen all of them, obviously. I haven't seen Polar Express and a few others, uh, but these are just the ten best and from my point of view of what I've seen. Number ten would be Flight. Uh, and again, we've talked about this before. Most of these, I, I give all these thumbs up. I'm not putting, oh, yeah, a, I'm not, I'm not putting a thumbs down on here uh, in my top ten. I would just say I didn't like it. But Flight, very good movie. Uh Excellent stuff from, uh, uh, I almost said Samuel L. Jackson, uh, terrible, Denzel Washington. Uh, great performance, but it's this falls under the trap of being one of those films, you're, it's not like, hey, honey, grab the popcorn, let's sit down and watch Flight, about the yeah. alcoholic guy. and you know, uh, It's not the feel-good movie of the year. has a lot of positive stuff in it, great you know drama and good growth of a character and the character arc, but... It's not one that I'm going to be ripping off the shelves every year. Number 10 for yeah. you. Did you, I, I, I'm just going to chime in real sure. quick about Flight. My favorite scene in Flight, uh, and the, 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 the airplane scene was fantastic, but I think my favorite scene in the movie is where the camera is, is, uh, is on a, one of those little hotel bottles of vodka out of the fridge, out of the, like the little refrigerator thing. Yeah. And, and the camera is just on that bottle. On that bottle, on that bottle, and you're like, "Don't do it, man! Don't do it! Don't grab that bottle! Don't 
grabs a bottle. I'm like, no! And it's such a great scene. It's such yeah. a powerful scene. Have we scene. talked about it since you've seen it? I, I, I thought you hadn't seen it yet. Uh, I, maybe I bought just, that on Blu-ray. Uh, that's a great movie. Maybe I, I'm just not remembering. I, I didn't know that you had... I thought that was one you probably hadn't seen. But yeah. Actually, I, I have, I've watched 15 of his movies and two... There's only two movies that... Uh, I think there was a TV documentary that I haven't seen, but there's only two movies, his first and newest one, that I have not seen. You're number 10 for Mr. Zemeckis. Okay, so my number 10 for Zemeckis is Used Cars, starring... Kurt Russell, have you seen this movie? You know, if I, I'm not sure if I have or not, but if I did, it was many years ago, and I don't even remember what it was about. I mean, other yeah. than the used car salesman, but that's about it. Yeah, I, I saw it several times many, many years ago on VHS, and I liked it back then, but I remember not much about it. It's not like a Porky's type thing where it's like, oh, that movie is great. It was, yeah, it was a movie that I watched on VHS. So, but I still, I enjoyed it, and I do remember that. So. Uh, that's okie doke. Yeah, not much else to say about that. When was the last time you watched it? Um, oh jeez, uh, it was in my teens, probably. Uh, when in fact it was when I was working at Video Connection, it was on VHS then. But I had watched it even before that, like earlier. <laughs> my buddies and I rented it. Uh, is it is it weird that when I saw used cars, I didn't one I didn't know he directed it, but two I was like. I know exactly where that movie is, that video connection. It's in that room, on that hall, on that shelf. Yep, <laughs> got it. <laughs> yep. And that's the one I yeah. watched. Yeah, that's great. Okay, number nine for me is uh, another one I was shocked to discover was a big moneymaker for him. Uh, and that's Death Becomes Her. I enjoy this movie, and if you actually want to sit down and review it, critique it, not that great of a movie. But it's still endlessly fascinating for its bizarro concept and that's why yes. i keep coming back to it and it's it may i don't know i haven't watched it in forever there might be dated special effects now but i thought back they were amazing it was, awesome. it was amazing yeah, back... even even though the overall story arc and everything was meh and i feel like i remember the third act kind of just petered out but um i still i still would give that movie a thumbs up as being one of those oh, yeah, me too. unique films of cinema and i like it i need to watch it again Number nine for you. Uh, number nine for me would have been Death Becomes Her. All right. Um, for the same reason. I, but now, I do remember that one well. I really, I actually probably enjoyed that more than you did. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it's, with his other, the rest of his filmography, it, it's definitely not as good. But it's still a good movie. Bruce Willis is good in it. And there's the one scene with um, the hole in the body. That's the big scene. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's it. And back then, it was like, wow, how did they do that? Well, so. I more think of it as one of those movies where I'm like, oh yeah, I need to watch that again. And then I go back and watch it. I'm like, eh, it's not that great. It was entertaining, but it's not that great. And then a couple years yeah. pass. Repeat. I do yeah. the same. So at least I, I hey, I keep coming back to it. Got to be yeah. something of that. Okay, number eight. I have uh, what lies beneath. Another one of these movies that I, I feel with Zemeckis, a lot of his filmography not falls between the cracks, but just sort of, you forget he directed it, you know? And yeah. it, that's a good movie. I haven't watched it in quite some time, and that's probably why it falls down to number eight. It's not one that I'm ripping off the shelves every year, but it's a good movie. It has one spectacular moment uh, that has been parodied and therefore ruined. Uh, yes. But it, it's it's still a very solid draw thriller 
So anyway. Okay. Number eight for you. Uh, next up for me is Romancing the Stone. Oh, um, dude. What the hell? <laughs> now, <laughs> that is crap. <laughs> now, I haven't watched that movie in a long time, but uh, I just, with his other, with the rest of his filmography, it's just not quite as good. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll wait but, to get into that. <laughs> yeah, I, and seriously, I can't comment a whole lot about that movie because I haven't seen it in so long that I... Oh, it's it's always that been movie. that... It, I've watched that movie a hundred times, probably. <laughs> yeah, I think it's always because it, it felt like that was a a lesser Indiana Jones movie. That's what that movie has always felt like to me, which I like. It's still good, but I'm like, it's just, it's Indiana Jones light. So. Okay. I, I'm listening to your incorrect review, but that's okay. <laughs> my wife, I, I made my wife watch that movie. She hated it. Yeah, but I remember you anyway, told me that. I was like, what? I grew up with this. And therein lies the problem. I grew up with this, not yeah. everyone else. Uh, okay, number seven, I have Beowulf. Uh, ah, a, no. Uh, see, that's what? where we go south, right? We, we'll go south right there. Oh, it didn't even make your list? or? Oh, no, no, no. That's way up there. <laughs> oh, no. No, it's... No, it's... <coughs> it's a very good film. Uh, it received... I, I don't even remember what the reviews. I kind of feel like it had negative reviews. Uh, but yeah, it did some. I, I like it quite a bit. I think it's a very good movie. Uh, I think the animation style is ahead of its time, and it's now being done more often. Uh, but I think it's a beautiful film, especially the director's cut. I think it goes mm-hmm. uh, further in where it, it needed more. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely a good movie, but it's it's not like... Uh, hallmark of in the hall of cinema you will find Beowulf yeah. on the shelf as opposed to the next six movies <laughs> gotcha. uh, number seven number seven for me is what lies beneath and I echo pretty much everything you say on that one um, the, I'll, I will say this the replay value on that one is not is not that good but the first time you watch I remember the first time I saw that and I wasn't expecting much uh, in fact I was kind of expecting a more of a drama slash romance with maybe a little bit of you know suspense thriller, and I'm like, whoa, that was that was good. Uh, I loved it the first time I saw it. I loved that movie, and then when I watched it again, I'm like, okay, well, you know this, you know this, this, and this, and this happened, and it, it wasn't as effective. It's still a very good movie, but with the rest of his movies, it, it's just not quite there. Yeah, I agree. My favorite line from that movie is one. Harrison Ford leans over to his wife and uh, the kids are gone and what you know uh, you want to get drunk and fool around I was like that's amazing Han Solo just said want to get drunk and fool around <laughs> uh, okay number six for me is okay and now before I even tell you this is where it starts getting tough as far as uh, debating between uh, near tens okay yeah. uh, Forrest Gump Excellent film, won crazy amount of rewards, uh, rewards, awards. <laughs> I remember seeing it in the theater uh, with my family, and I yep. it, it it had an impact at the time. But but upon rewatch is where it had more impact. After I'd learned more about history, grew up a little yeah. bit more. That's where it, it was definitely more impactful. It's it's tough to continually rewatch because 
I, it's been parodied. It's one of those films that's been parodied so many times that you're sick of hearing about the box of chocolates, and yeah. it loses a little bit of its uh, uniqueness because of that, I guess. I don't know if that's the right way to put it. And it's, it. A, it's another very heavy movie. Like, to me, yes. it was long and very heavy to where it's like, oh, this is depressing. Yep, it, it suffers from that Schindler's List issue. Yes, where yes. It's, yes, you are a fantastic film you belong in the hall of cinema but yeah i'm not again i'm not not rewatching you every year uh, yeah. it's, it gets it's depressing but amazing score fantastic it's a fantastic film it is it is i agree number six uh number six for me is back to the future part two uh this is uh it it's and i've watched it numerous times and i, I really like it and now at this point seriously we're going to start to split hairs, I think. It still is a great movie, but it's coming off of uh, the first one. It's just not quite as good to me, and I was in a different place. In my, I actually watched part three before I watched part two. Um, but, oh, wow. Yeah, okay. yeah, I know. And then so I'll get into that a little bit later when I talk about part three, but when I did watch part three, I was at a certain place Wait a minute, in my you're, life. you're already telling me you put part three above part two? Yes, oh, I do. Wow, I yeah. we definitely disagree on that, but that's okay. Go ahead. Yeah. So yeah, that's and it's just it was again. I understand the whole movie now, but back when I watched it, I'm like, what? Okay, I don't get this. It's this is not like the first one. This is hard to understand and follow. And and now it yeah whatever. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So anyway, it's still a good movie. It's okay. You know. I took a different approach with the Back to Future series, but we'll get to that. Uh, number okay. five for me is, as I say this carefully, Cast Away. Not The Cast Away, which was the original title of this film, and the way I took it uh, when I went in to watch it is Cast Away. Okay, he's a, he is a castaway. Uh, and that is an, an important part yeah. of why I've come around to love this movie so much. Yeah. At first, I was like, okay, I get it, and the Wilson thing was a little already being parodied from the moment that movie came out yeah. <laughs> uh, and joked about, but if you forget all of that nonsense and just go in straight watching this movie, it's a powerful film and an amazing performance from Tom Hanks, and it works so well. And then when you realize the, uh, how do I put it, the spelling of the title was done purposefully and I maybe this is something everybody else realized and it just blew my hair back after the third viewing <laughs> and you know something I just breezed over but he wasn't the castaway he he as a person was cast away from society it's a, he split the words on purpose there's a meaning behind that I, that mm -hmm. once I really dived on the on the uh, uh, concept of it being two words instead of one. It it made it even more powerful for me. And I, I that's a damn good film. Yes, it's, it is. It, even if you lump in... It's not a perfect film. You still got to lump in there all the stupidity because you're like, oh, you don't open the box till you get back. That's great. A satellite phone's sitting in there waiting on you. And you're like, nope. That's just so cinema because it's yes, not, it is. It's not yeah, real. It's not real. Yeah. That's not real. If you, I remember you, remove, that. you remove that one element, and it would have been just darn near flawless, but it's not. So, But yeah. it's still a fantastic film. Number five for you. 
Number five is flight. And once again, I, I echo a lot of what you said. This is not an easy watch. Uh, it's very heavy, but it's a great movie. Uh, Denzel Washington is fantastic in the movie. Uh, I like the direction that it turns towards the end. I, it's, it's a great movie. Okay. Uh, number four for me is... Uh, uh, once I, I'm, I'm going, should I rearrange these, my top four? I, uh, nope, I'm not going to. Uh, Roger Rabbit. Uh, another brilliant breakthrough of technology for Mr. Zemeckis, combining animation with live action. Uh, but Who Framed Roger Rabbit is, it's just brilliant. It's so funny and it's, it's so watchable and it's so adult while being kid friendly at the same time and yet being not kid friendly at all. Uh, it's just great that you can watch it with the kids and, and all the adult jokes kind of breeze over their head, but the adults are snickering. Uh, that being said, some of the parts get kind of annoying if you're not 10. So it, it, that lowers the rewatchability for me just a hair. That's why it fell to number four. Um, okay. Well, next up for me is who framed Roger rabbit. All right. Uh, (laughs) I, I, Yeah. And this is another one that falls into the cutting edge. It was amazing when it came out and how they did it. And it's still a very good movie. It's still very well made. Uh, I like the storyline. I haven't seen it in many years, but it's still a good movie. So, and I like the animation. I like the practice, like the 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 drawing style animation mm-hmm. mixed with the the live action. It was really good. Yep, I agree. And, oh, oh I, I was struggling with three and two. Do I swap these? Do I not swap these? Okay. Well, so uh, I just, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight more. <laughs> uh, there's only three left. Oh, no. You must have not seen some that I did. <laughs> it's a top ten. We started at ten. I don't know. Oh, what... well, I started at 15. <laughs> I'll breeze through a couple here. <laughs> Hey. What the hell, dude? We always do a top ten. I, don't, I know. We don't... Uh, okay. I, I got on. Uh, I got on, I got on a rampage. Look, 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 look. I, I'm down to number. I, I have one through three. So get yourself up through four. <laughs> now you've thrown off this whole list. What the oh, hell? Yes. It, it's yeah. It's foobar. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Go ahead and get. Okay. So leave your well, top let's... three blank and do the rest. Okay. Well, I'll get you caught up here. Castaway, check that no, one no, off the list. No, no, it's getting yourself caught up. I'm, I'm right on level. Okay. <laughs> okay, Castaway is now scratched off the list, followed by Back to the Future Part 3, which now I'm going to talk about Back to the Future Part 3 real quick here. Uh, I liked it because it was a Western, and the fact that the time that I watched Back to the Future Part 3, I watched it with my mom, and I, I remember it vividly watching it in the theater and thinking this is so cool that my mom would take me to something like this. And it was fun. It was upbeat. And I, I just, my memories of that movie are probably better than the movie itself. But because of that, it's up that high. That's, I don't even know where we're at. What is that, number eight? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't even make notes. I don't even know what's going on. Well, I have three, four, five, six. I have six left, if that helps. Oh, jeez. What the hell? You have six oh. left? Well, let me scratch another one here off real quick. Forrest, <laughs> Forrest Gump. Go ahead. Yeah, so Forrest Gump happened. Jenna. Okay, now back to you. 
No, it's not back to me. You got to get till you only have one, two, and three left. Oh shit. Um. Okay. So <laughs> look, take your up... one, two, and three. Ignore them and do the rest. Get me up okay. to there. Okay. Here we go. Uh, Christmas Carol. Uh, this one here, I actually have have like more and more each time I watch it, and I've watched this movie. This is another one of those holiday movies that I watch every year. And the first time I watched it, I wasn't expecting it to be as dark as it is. And this movie is very, very dark. Agreed. And in, in fact, to the point where my wife watched it a second time with me, and she's like, I don't really like that movie. Uh, it's just, it's not the George C. Scott version. It's not the older versions. It's just, it's almost borderline horror towards the end. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I have grown to really like that movie but the first time I watched it I'm like what this is like a weird uh, a weird horror kid type thing it is it's very dark and that would have probably been my number 11 right after flight I did see that one it's with Jim Carrey right yeah yeah yeah, it's a crazy movie Um, and then uh, Beowulf would be next and Beowulf it again it's splitting hairs I love that movie I love the animation. I love the story arc of that movie. Uh, everything about that. I mean, in fact, it's it's so close to making the top three, but it's just not quite there. Uh, so, but great movie. Okay. Now we're caught up. Okay, so you have three left. Yep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was a train wreck. Uh, okay. Yes, it was. <laughs> I have decided I'm going to I'm going to swap my number two and my number three. Okay, number three for me is Contact, <clears throat> and it is a brilliant film. That opening sequence is one of the most amazing things that's ever been committed to any digital or celluloid, whatever you want to call it. It's mm. uh, it's mind blowing, and it's not just the pull away it's also the special effect where the girl runs into the bathroom and her reflection in the mirror is the camera do you know about that special effect yes yes oh that's so it's amazing incredible to try and duplicate that it's it boggles my mind and i can't figure it out uh but the whole pull away into outer space it's is phenomenal and worth the price alone but then you get into the movie and it's just it's mind-blowing and a lot of people go oh what she goes that far it's her dad those are the kind of people that go why is the skin blue why are the ears pointy why does he yeah and that's why i don't listen to your opinion you're yeah. just that movie is brilliant and, and, and it's weird how, how the, the the special effects and i know what went into making that pull away shot in the beginning that was a huge daunting task to do that one shot but uh even i mean when she goes to wherever she goes, those special effects I think hold up today. They still hold up. All the effects hold up in that movie. Well, I got the Blu-ray and I haven't watched it yet because I'm waiting until no, I'm waiting till I have a good block of time with the ten-year-old because uh, I want to show it to her. Okay. And I think she'd really like it. Uh, I just I haven't got a good set of time where the young, the one and three-year-old are. Uh, away, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because usually a movie around here, when I try and watch with the family, in the first ten minutes, there's ten interruptions. It's pause, go to the bathroom, pause, get popcorn, pause, got this kid screaming, pause, and by fifteen minute mark, everybody's confused. So I'm waiting for a good block of time to really let her absorb that one. Yeah. Uh, Number three for you. 
Uh, three for me is contact. Oh, okay. So then we're good. Yeah, uh, uh, but I do. I did want to chime in real else? quick. Uh, yeah. About about contact is this is another one that I was not expecting much going into the movie. Uh, I remember who I saw this with uh, and I where I saw it at in the theater, and I'm like, yeah, let's go watch Contact. That looks really good. And I wasn't prepared for a movie of that caliber, of that quality. Uh, it was probably the best movie of that summer because that was a summer movie, and um, it's still like that to me. I think that that movie could come out today and still be as mind-blowing as it was back then. It holds up that well. I agree, but I think I've grown to like it more with rewatch as opposed to... Uh, I'm not trying to say I loved it that much the first time. I, of course, really loved it because I was a, I'm was a sci-fi dork, but I wasn't as in love with it as I am upon rewatch and really understanding and diving in all the topics to, yeah. you know... Oh, whatever. When 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 they and I mean at this point, if you haven't seen the movie, I mean this is a bit of a spoiler, but when they fi- when when we find out about Launchpad Two, yeah, <laughs> I'm like, holy shit! Oh, this is great, and that, I loved that scene. Yeah, that whole like, oh, why build one when you can build two? I'm like, oh yes, that was awesome. Giddy. I love that. Giddy yes. and a understated performance from John Hurt. And yes. he's mostly an old makeup uh, disguise. Uh, that was great. Yeah. Uh, okay, number two for me is Romancing the Stone. Wow. Uh, I grew up with this movie <laughs> as much as I did with Predator and Aliens. If that gives you any kind of perspective, yeah. I watched that movie as much as those two. Uh, I love it. It's a perfect adventure, Indiana Jones type, but with Michael Douglas, who brings a different kind of twist to it. And... The hottest eighties chick of all, Kathleen Turner. Uh, it just works. I, I'm very much the Michael Douglas type of uh, snarky, jokey attitude, and just being an asshole. And I love it. I love it. I love the story. You got Danny DeVito in there, giving some uh, comedy on top of the comedy that Michael Douglas is bringing. It. I, I just, I, I love that movie to death. Uh, unfortunately, if you are apparently did not grow up in the 80s, not so much, but... <laughs> uh, sorry, I I adore that movie to death. And again, it came down to, if I was cast away, what movies of Zemeckis would I want to have? Uh, Romancing the Stone would be number two. It would be up that high. Wow. You know, that's not on Netflix, is it? Because I should give that one a rewatch. It, it comes and goes. It comes and goes. I think I have the Blu-ray. If you want, if you haven't watched it in a while... I, I haven't... I'm, seriously, I haven't watched it in... I don't remember the... It, it could have been uh, 15, 20 years since I've seen that movie. Oh. Uh, yeah. I mean, you're not wrong that it's an Indiana Jones light. It, it is. But at the same time, it works on every single level. Yeah. Yeah. Number two okay. for you. Number two for me, and this is a hard one, but I it, it it's I have to go with uh, the Polar Express. Um, it's a classic, already classic for me. One of the few movies in the last ten years that has actually made me uh, cry. Uh, the first time I saw it, I wasn't prepared for how emotional. Uh, it was and how realistic it was. And the first time I watched it was on DVD, uh, which with my wife. Uh, one Christmas, we're like, like, let's watch 
Polar Express. Okay, so had it on DVD, and I'm like, are you kidding me? This thing is incredible. Um, and towards the end, it just gets so, to me, emotional, and just something about that, like, being a child, and I, I loved it. Yeah. I loved that movie every year. Every year, Christmas Eve, we watch the Polar Express. Oh, I've got to get on that. I just, there, I don't know, I haven't been putting it off for any particular reason. I just have not got around to it. But I, I will sooner or later, sometime. <laughs> uh, sorry, uh, I haven't seen that one. <laughs> okay, number one for me is the Back to the Future trilogy. I'm throwing all of them onto one, and with oh. good reason. Uh, the first one came out and very quickly became one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, but I was—I grew up in the '80s. DeLorean is cool. Make it go back in time. Time travel—that's the next coolest thing I know. Uh, yeah. So I loved that movie. I remember when I <laughs> was sitting in my living room as a kid and seeing on the orange carpet that I was sitting on and seeing a TV spot for Back to the Future 2. I could not believe they were making a sequel to my favorite movie pretty much ever other than Star Wars. And I got up and ran around the house whooping and hollering and screaming and so happy because if this movie's coming out, that means in two years I'll get to watch it on TV. Yep. Oh, I had the same mindset. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Literally, that that was my reaction. That in two years I'm going to get to watch this. That I was so excited. Um, I don't know if it took that long. I don't know if I saw it in the theater. I can't remember. But uh, when I got to watch Back to the Future Two, it blew my mind. I loved that they went to, to the near-ish future of 2015, and they they picked up right <laughs> from where the first one took off. Because a lot of time travel movies, they go to the the same places. They go to the Old West. They go, complaint coming soon. Uh, They go to Renaissance period, France, something. Look at uh, Bill and Ted's. They go to all those generalized places. Let's go see Abraham Lincoln. Uh, You know, they never go to anywhere fun. They don't go to the uh, near flying car future fun. And that's what Back to the Future 2 did. There's plot holes you could drive a train through in that movie. Um... But I would have to say, of the trilogy, two is probably probably my number one for the enjoyment level. I I love that movie. Number wow. one, number one is the best movie. You know what I mean? All around, quality wise, number one is yeah. the best. You can't top it. Number two, not the best quality wise, but might be my favorite to watch. And number three is still a rock solid time travel romp, and they wrap up a lot of great arcs and storylines uh, from the whole uh, set of films, but it would probably be my least of the three because it's, oh, let's go to the Old West and deal with all those problems. It's like, I'm watching a time travel movie series. I don't want to have to deal with you looking for gasoline or spending 90 minutes trying to figure out how to make the car go 88. I want you to be yeah. jumping between this time, that time, all over the place, and that's what Back to the Future 2 was. Uh, and so that's why I enjoy that film so much. And I cannot wait because we are uh, a couple of weeks away from the 30th anniversary re-release. This is brilliant. They are releasing uh, a new set on Blu-ray on the exact date. Oct- I think it's October 
uh, 18th or something. Yeah, it's coming out. Yeah, it's 2015, out really and that was the exact date that uh, Marty and Doc went to the future. And, and I love that. That's just genius. And yeah, that's cool. I will probably be picking that up. Yeah. Um, uh, hopefully. But I love the series. There, there has been uh, rumors here and there of a Back to the Future four. I yeah. don't think it'll ever happen. I kind of okay if it doesn't. If it does, it falls under the remake thing. Whatever. I don't care. Uh, if it, uh, there's also been lots of talk of are they going to remake these movies? And Zemeckis said never while I'm alive, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. Uh, if they do, again, remake rules apply. I will watch your movie, but. If it sucks, I will say it sucks, and I'll just continue to enjoy my original. There is no raping of childhood going on here. Yeah. But those movies were <coughs> extremely influential to my... I, I would say that Star Wars is the only thing that was more influential to making me uh, a sci-fi dork. It was Star Wars and Back to the Future. That's it. Yeah. And, and for me, it was Star Wars, Back to the Future, and Star Trek. Mainly, uh, the, search for, the Search for Spock was the first one I watched. Uh, and then like three, four, five, and then two and one. So I, they were kind of jumbled. But but Star Wars, Back to the Future, and Star Trek those that defined my childhood. Oh, me so too. I'm right there with you. I yeah. still one and, of my dream cars. I want the uh, Police Avenger from Road Warrior, and I want the uh, DeLorean. And I've yeah. looked into buying a few DeLoreans. Uh, so <laughs> to, I would guess eventually. that those are getting more and more and more rare and more and more worth You'd be surprised, money. man. You'd be surprised they're out there. They're not that expensive because they're crappy engines. I mean, the one I was looking at was like 20K, and it was oh wow, pa- it was painted yellow. They they scrapped That's... that. No, if I'm spending that on a car, I'm not. I'm not. They scrap. They had to scratch the stainless steel to make it yellow. Oh, forget that noise. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not doing that. No, I, yeah. I want such a maybe, such maybe a cool a car back then. Yeah, such <laughs> which, a cool car back then. Which reminds me that there is a documentary uh, on the verge of coming out about uh, these people that take a replica uh, DeLorean from Back to the Future Two and drive it around, do fundraising for uh, what does Mike Michael J. Fox have? I, I'm oh. sorry. I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I posted yeah, that okay. documentary, the trailer for that documentary. If you go go to facebook.com backslash movie freaks pod, you can find that trailer and support that thing. Okay, uh, number one for you from Zemeckis is Back to the Future. Yep, it's great. The uh, first the, one, and yeah, the first one. And I will say that that is one of the best openings for a movie ever. It it encapsulates everything I love about summer movies. And I'm talking about Michael J. Fox and the electric guitar and that huge amp, and it, and then the and the and just the Huey Lewis song. Everything about it was just a fun summer blockbuster movie. Um, that's one of the all-time classic summer movies. I mean, that when I think of what what makes a summer movie a summer movie, Back to the Future does. That's what that's the movie. I agree. I agree. Movies like that and Ghostbusters and Star Wars and Jaws. It's like, that's what I think of Independence Day. And that's just, it's got to be a product of our age. I mean, that's right where we were in that wheelhouse of that's Mm -hmm. when these movies were considered uh, a blockbuster summer entertainment. And we just, that's why we love them. You're you're not going to find that same opinion from uh, everyone because that's the age that we are. Sorry. Yep. Okay, and with that, that was that was a good director spotlight, though. He, I agree. Say, that was. I it's agree. interesting that there was not one movie that I utterly disliked from that director. 
I agree. I haven't seen all of them, but I find it hard to believe that I, I would dislike the couple that I haven't seen. Yeah. Uh, okay, with that, let's close up uh, this director spotlight, as we always do, with a quote from the man himself. <clears throat> no matter how many obstacles are thrown in our path, there are ways to accept them and to live through them. Understand life's mysteries as mysteries to be lived. Hmm. I like, I like that. that. Yes, Very I like much. that a lot. Okay, and with that, let's move into watching uh, much worse films than that with the recently watched, because that's all we do is watch shitty films, for the yeah. most part. Okay, <laughs> For the most part. For the most part. I'm sure you probably have more than me, because I've been uh, busy as hell uh, with work and Fulci stuff, so uh, what do you got for recently watched? Uh, well, I want to start uh, with a movie that I normally wouldn't even talk about, and this seems like one that would be thrown on to the roulette. But uh, I, I, it was just caught me at the right time. I'm like, I want to watch a documentary. I want to watch a serious documentary. So I watched a movie called It Happened Here, and it's about um, rape on college campuses. And this is not something I would right. normally watch. Uh, but it follows three is it three different women, three or four different women and, who, who were raped on campus and what they did to overcome that and what they did to fight back. And uh, it is fantastic. Four and a half out of five stars from me. In fact, my only complaint was it should have been longer. Um, it felt like it should have been easily 10 to 15 minutes longer. I love this movie. It's so well-made and emotional and and uh, a call-to-action type of thing. I, I loved that. I loved to see these women that went through what they went through coming out on the other side uh, just doing... Just do it! Empowered. <laughs> Empowered, yeah. It was great. I, I couldn't believe... I could not believe how much I liked that movie. Uh, and that's the only reason I'm bringing it up on the show is because... It's not something that I would normally watch other than if you would have thrown at me at, on a roulette. But for some reason, I'm like, you know what? It's only an hour and 15 minutes. I'm like, I'm in the mood for a little bit more. I, I can feel like I, I can handle Ready for something more. a little heavier. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, I'm like, oh, this, this, and it is. It's, it's, it's heavy, but it's, it's definitely worth watching. Okay. Very good, very good documentary. So. Okay. Uh, over. To me, uh, last episode I teased Area 51. This was the new one from the guy that made Paranormal Activity, yes, I believe. Yeah, Orrin Paley. Orrin Paley, yeah. Uh, It was... I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it because you dove on it before. and it's You know what? It's a found footage sort of horror movie, and it's okay. But here I am, a week or two later, I can barely remember anything about it other than a couple of things and some thermal imaging shots where they were wandering across the desert it's okay, it's worth a watch, but don't hurt yourself. Uh, it certainly <laughs> is not as uh, terrifying as Paranormal Activity was, but I don't know. I, I wanted to like it so much more, but it wasn't that scary, to tell you the truth. Uh, no, it wasn't. I'll agree, it wasn't that scary, but I, I liked it. it. I thought that was a cool But what movie. annoyed me about it was that it had the potential to be terrifying, and it just sort of didn't. And it, yeah. and it seemed like that was a choice rather than uh, a missed opportunity. I, do you know what I mean by that? Like, uh, yeah. they they could have gone terrifying, but we're just like, ah, let's just kind of hear some things maybe, and then we're done. I was like, okay. <laughs> uh, so it was okay. It wasn't a painful watch, but 
Yeah, a little disappointing. Okay, back to you. Um, okay, so uh, a couple more here that I would definitely want to hit on. Um, I want to talk real briefly about uh, a new Kevin Bacon movie called Cop Car. Oh, about, okay. About uh, two young boys playing out in the field come across a cop car that's abandoned, and they get more and more daring, and then they steal the cop car, which happens to be owned by a dirty cop named Kevin Bacon, or played by Kevin Bacon. And uh, <laughs> no, hila- Bacon. <laughs> yeah. hilarity ensues. Ha <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sure he takes or action. Yes, or lack thereof. Yeah, it is a very, uh, very, another heavy movie. And uh, I really liked the movie until it got almost a bit too art house-ish for me. Because they play things very obtuse in the movie to where it's, uh, they don't give you much information. It's basically, it's it's a very basic storyline. Kids find car, steal car, guy goes after car. There you go. There is your storyline. Gotcha. Uh, it's, they don't really delve into the the fine details, which is okay. But at the end, when the credits rolled, I'm like, oh, I could have used a little bit more. There should have been a little bit more in that. But it's still a very good movie. Kevin Bacon was fantastic. Like, he plays scumbag so well. He plays everything uh, so well. He does. He does. He makes such a good scumbag. He makes a great good guy. Um, yeah. So it's a good movie, and it'll it'll pop up. It was on video on demand, but it'll pop up on Netflix, I'm sure, at some point. So it's a good movie. Okay, uh, I'm gonna do a little double header here because I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on either of these. Uh, first up is Mystery Science Theater, Manos, The Hands of Fate. I uh, rewatched this film because I don't know. It popped up on the Shout Factory, and I was like, you know what? It's time to remind myself where the floor of cinema is. There you hit it. I get so tired of people that are like, this is the worst, uh, when when they're like, Man of Steel, worst movie I've ever seen in my life. Whenever somebody says worst film I've ever seen, if they're not talking about Manos, I just sort of discount everything they say. This is the worst movie. This is it. And yes. granted, there are dozens of movies this bad, but none of them came out in the last mm, 30 years, 20 years. I don't know. I I just get so frustrated when people call new movies that come out now the worst thing that's ever been made. I, I go, you know, clearly you haven't watched this or this or this. And usually their response is, why would I watch that movie? Yeah. And my response is, to correct your barometer of where cinema's top and bottom is, maybe? Yeah. Sorry, but you got to watch some of the terrible ones so that you understand how bad it can be. And this is a movie where nothing works. The score is wrong. The acting is terrible. The story non-existent. And I know you might say, I've seen that in this movie and that movie. You haven't seen it like this because, my friends... This is, in my opinion, the worst movie ever made. And I've seen some shit. Not only that, I own some shit. Uh, I own quite a few bad movies that I watch regularly because they're funny. Uh, But this is something else. It's torture to get through, and I can't imagine ever trying to watch this without the Mystery Science Theater guys. They they barely make it passable. 
And, and don't they don't they comment like this is really really shitty? Don't yes. they make mention of yeah like this, multiple it, times? Th- like this is the, there are times where they they can't even make a joke. They just go Ugh. <laughs> and same noise I'm making. There's nothing that can be said. It's just bad and weird light jazz music playing in the background and it's uh, terrible. If you want to enjoy the mediocre cinema a little more, watch this movie. It will will show you how bad it can be. Uh, Okay, and excuse me. Secondly, uh, BoJack Horseman season one finished up the first season. I'm I'm glad you're getting into that. I want to talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Rock solid genius stuff. This this is some of the best TV that's going on right now on Netflix. And uh, the only thing, I mean, I'm not going to give it a critique. I guess I would say uh, I love it. It's hysterical. I, I it I'm nearly crying to tears every single episode. It's genius. Um, that being said, I, I maybe I I might give Archer the edge just because it's filthier. You know what wow. I mean? Yeah, that uh, you having watched some of it now, that's saying something, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. I, Trust I, me. Okay, well, Archer, filthier, definitely. But but it, is it as funny? Yes. Ooh, wow. Yeah, it's hysterical, but it is so filthy. Archer is so filthy that you're like, oh, probably shouldn't be laughing at that. Ugh, <laughs> but I'm laughing. And it's poop sex jokes, and oh, it's, yeah. I shouldn't laugh at that, but I am. And uh, Bojack is is no different. It's just more awkward. Bojack is a little more awkward than or- Archer. Archer's a little more f- filthy, uh, yeah. but, but both are absolutely brilliant. And I, again, I've said it before, I'm gonna say it again. When it comes to TV, the animated stuff. When it comes to comedy, the animated stuff's knocking it out of the park. Uh, the live action is eh, eh, new girls amusing. I, I don't get into sitcoms. Yeah, me too. But the animated stuff is is killing it. Huh. Yeah, it is. And, I, and you got me to watch BoJack. You were like, you got to try this out. So I watched an episode, and I'm like, whoa, this is this is great. And then every episode got better and better. And now I'm addicted. Like I have to pace myself because. Yes. I am. I'm on episode five of season two. Are you kidding me? I was yeah, five was, episodes ahead of you, and now you're ahead me, of me. Yeah, <laughs> it, that's all. That's literally Dude, all I'm watching right I, now. I've, we get. We do this every time we talk about TV, where I'm like, one a day, just one a day, no more. And you burn through them so no, fast, bo- that, uh, yeah, yeah, that you end up hating them, though. You, oh, you got right real burnout on. You got real burnout on Battlestar. And yes, I did. Yes, I reel did. it in, sir. One a day, yeah. no more. It's the same yeah. with I'm right now. I'm watching Walking Dead, and we got one episode left of Narcos. Uh, one a day, no more. Quit it. I, I, this is why it's so hard for me to get you to watch TV because you you do two seasons in a week, and then you're like, oh, I'm sick of TV. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't have an addictive personality. Oh, I'm sure that you're okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, seriously though. Keep it to one of the kids. Savor, savor these comedy bits. They're they're too, they're too good to throw away. Because them. they are they are so good, and the comic timing. It's, comedy is all about timing, 
and Bojack Horseman is perfect comedy timing. It's almost like Family Guy, but better to me. It's like just the, better the written, timing. better acting. Yeah. It's Will Arnett just kills it as he, Bojack. He kills it. Yeah, great, great show. That is one of the better recommendations that you've thrown my way in a long time. Because seriously, I was like. Uh, you're a little bit more into animation than I am. Uh, I like animation, but I'm like, yeah. I'll watch one episode just to see. And I'm like, oh, this is okay. This is already brilliant. I'm like, okay, let's. And, and then every episode after that, I'm like, this is better and better and better. I'm like, please don't end. Please don't end after two or three seasons. <laughs> it might. And Archer might take a few more episodes to snag you. You got to give that one a little more time. Uh, okay. But it will definitely snag you. It, it's same sort of thing. Main character is a drunk, uh, womanizing, uh, just terrible and spy stuff from the seventies. It, it it's genius. <laughs> but but Archer's a little more on, on the nose. Bojack's a little more uh, sly, uh, I would say. But yeah, with Archer, it's it's so filthy that you're like, I just I I can't stop watching, and I shouldn't be laughing, but it, uh, I love it. Uh, okay, you. Okay. Give um, us a movie, because i got one more time, movie I want to talk about. Okay, time for The Green Inferno. Yeah. And here's my little plug for my own show. I actually did a full-length episode on The Green Inferno, so if you want to get more information on that movie, listen to Cinema Soft Underbelly. But here is my uh, capsule review of that movie. Um, Eli Roth, this is his movie, and... As you well know, if you're listening to this show and my show, you know that I'm a huge horror fan, especially Euro horror from the 70s and 80s. And two of the biggest movies from that era are Cannibal Holocaust from director Rogero Diodato and Cannibal Ferox from Umberto Lenzi. Two of my favorite movies. Favorite horror movies and favorite movies. I love those movies. This is Eli Roth's Cannibal Holocaust and Cannibal Ferox. And a lot of people, or even him, he's saying that this is his cannibal holocaust. In fact, in the very end, after the L of the end credits, it says, For Ruggiero. Like, in big letters, For, for Ruggiero. So this is dedicated to Ruggiero Diodato. But I'm like, to me, this is every bit as much Ferox as it is Holocaust. And this is getting to be horror nerd talk here. But, but Okay, uh, I'll jump in here with a question. I, I find sure. it extremely hard to believe that Green Inferno is... Half as gory as those films? No, it's not. It's it's okay. not. Um, yeah. yeah, here we go. Yep. Okay. It's not. I was just it's, checking. Um, and here's where and it a product of its time. So one of the reasons why both of those movies, Holocaust and Ferox, are so reviled and and nasty is one, uh, the animal killings are real. They kill animals brutally on screen. So already it's a mondo movie. It's like it's yeah. it's horrible. And then the 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 film stock. It's shot on film in low budget in the seventies. So it has that that low budget. You're watching this in a really filthy theater on Forty Second Street in New York City. That's what that, that ultra, feels like. That ultra real feel that the original. Like Blair Witch Project and uh, the the first found footage movies had, where it was still yes. shocking, and you could believe that maybe it's real. Yes, and and especially Cannibal Holocaust because that was, in my opinion, that's the first found footage movie. Like everybody yeah. says, oh, Blair Witch Project nah, kicked nah. it off. Blair Witch Project got the, all of their ideas from 
Cannibal Holocaust. That's yeah. that's a found footage movie, and it, it's like you're watching these people's 16 millimeter film reels, and it just felt so nasty and hardcore and real. And that was a very serious tone. Cannibal Ferox, on the other hand, was a more really sleazy, gory and sleazy and almost comical. And it was still hardcore, but not like Holocaust was. Yeah. Green Inferno is trying to ape both of those, it seems like, I guess. Um, but a couple missteps from Eli Roth, to me, is he should have done a little bit more with the music. As I like the music. And this is just me being hardcore with these movies. He should have done a little bit more cheesy 70s music to me. Just that's just me personally. The film stock, he should have shot on film or if not shot on film, run that bitch through a filter to made where it, it looked is. Like, so made it look it was it's set, cleaned up. It looks digital. It's it's it looks great. It's shot digitally. Um but they so went to it, but the setting of the film is uh, present day. Yes, yes. And they actually went to a village where you can listen to my show. They, they hey, went to a village sorry. where <laughs> I don't want to make you repeat your whole show. <laughs> no, but they went to a village where these people that like, they shot with real tribes, people from this village that had never seen a movie before in their lives. And had this place had never been filmed before. Um, which is awesome. No, but... that's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> they're lucky they're alive, in my opinion. Yes, but okay. So anyway, back to the movie. So <laughs> it has its miss. It has its missteps. The first thirty minutes, I'm like, oh man, I'm like, way too much exposition. It's get on with it. Uh, it's it's an hour and forty minutes. That should be an hour and twenty five. Wow, um, I'm surprised. Yeah, but having said that, once our our group of not good actors <laughs> crashed into the jungle, and that's here, here's the thing: if 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 he would have got top quality actors or better actors, I would have been fine. The script was the script was fine. I didn't mind the script, um, and the pacing would have been fine. But I did not like the actors. There, the lead actress, I liked her, but most of the actors, I hated. Um, this there was the kid from Spy Kids. Okay. You remember him? Yeah. The the he's one of the main characters. He was good. Him and the lead actress are about the only people that I remotely liked other than the cannibals. Everybody else were I they bugged me. Um but the script was okay and the storyline was really cool. I'm like this is this is paying homage to those old Italian movies. But once it gets going, and they're in the jungle and shit gets real, it's good. Like if you like those old ones, like, this is your chance to watch one of those on the big screen, because that's what it is. And KMB effects do the effects, practical effects, it's gory as hell. Anybody that says that they're not uncomfortable at all in a couple of the scenes, they're full of shit. Okay. It's, it's like, it's not every day I see that on the big screen. I'll be catching that one in the Dollar Theater. Yes, yeah. you, sh- you should. I will, um, I will, just because it's, it's such a rarity to see that kind of film in a theater. So I will. Yes. So anyway, I, I don't want to keep going. Yeah, but it, I, I don't it, want to it, ruin it your thrust, entire episode over there. So yeah, it does. It does. It, it it frustrates me though that some of the acting choices and a, some, a couple of these actors I think come from that movie Aftershock, which you did see, correct? Unfortunately, yes. Yes, and I believe that Eli Roth is married to the lead actress, it, it, but she's okay. She's okay, but literally. Almost everybody else in the movie, I'm like, oh, 
Why? This because is, nobody this else a... would act in that kind of movie. I, yeah, I guess. They're all yeah. busy. <laughs> yeah. And if you don't think that there's a girl in the beginning, and she's a, I talk about this on my show, but there's a girl in the beginning, and she's a singer um, in my real life, I guess. Um, but I'm like, That's always what, good. Possess, what possessed you to get her? Because she's high on screen right now, or she's just that shitty. I'm not sure which hey, it is. Speaking of actresses that are high and shitty, that'll lead us right into our final review of the evening. Mm. Paul Schrader's The Canyons. I watched Ooh, this movie. That's on my list. Yes, that's Otherwise on my list. known as Lindsay's Last Chance. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. It's not good. Uh, it's a valiant effort by Paul Schrader to pull together his usual style, which is generally okay or very watchable. Uh, and I really feel like he's really trying to reel her in as the stories have uh, been rampant about this movie. Uh, oh, my God, you got to watch it. It's it's an anomaly. Uh, it's really? not good. Oh, it's not good, but... He works really hard to make it okay, and for the most part, it kind of is, I guess, but then the story kind of goes nowhere as the wheels more and more fall off, and with Lindsay, it doesn't help that, I don't know if it's just her makeup or all the -the behind-the-scenes shenanigans, but it doesn't help that she looks like drunk girl at the party all the time. She's supposed to look hot, but her makeup's done... Like the girl who's drunk at the party and went into the bathroom to touch up her makeup and then put on way too much. Yeah. So there's that. And then when it's not that, it's no makeup and she looks hungover. And it doesn't help that this, the, the, the controversy around it was everybody gets naked and there's lots of sex and uh, all that kind of stuff. Was there? There was well the the guy is a porn actor that that okay. she's acting with, so he has no problem you know plenty off. of penis in this movie and that's fine I don't you know whatever not offended by that it doesn't bother me but it's it's just sort of like uh, that well there are plenty of stories behind the scenes of well we told her up front there's gonna be this amount of nudity and she was fine and then when it came to the day of she was, didn't want to do it and that's apparent because it's like oh and this everybody's whipping out dongs and she's like no i'm gonna keep my bra on and then the next what? scene and then the next scene she doesn't she pulls it off but it's real quick cutaway uh, or you know you only see her naked for a little bit uh, it, this is Lindsay Lohan. At this point, why, why does she? I have even no care? idea. I have no idea. She's naked in every other thing she does. It doesn't matter. She looks like a cracked out freckle whore throughout the whole entire thing. And <laughs> <laughs> she seriously, the best way I can describe it, she is drunk guy at the party, drunk girl at the party. Even worse because yeah. she's just caked on makeup all the way through. It, what about her acting? Like aside from the looks, you know, she... again, it, it deteriorates from the beginning. First half, okay. Like, I give you credit, you're trying. And as the stories from behind the scenes go, she deteriorated all along the way. And it got worse and worse and worse and worse, all the way to the end where you're like, I don't even care about any of these characters anymore. Uh, you should. Wow. Yeah, I, I kind of encourage you to check it out because it's a weirdo thing and I don't think you're ever going to see Lindsay uh, pulling uh, anything close to this mainstream again. Uh, but it's... 
interesting in a sick way to watch the complete deterioration of a celebrity, I guess, if you want to watch that. So, I, I don't know much about the behind-the-scenes the stuff. So, does was there drama behind the scenes? Oh, major drama. She wouldn't show up, and this was her last chance, and she has to show up, and then she'd show up, and she'd be drunk, and she'd take off, she'd leave and set, and the stories go on and on and on. Hit the Wikipedia page and, and read oh. up on it. It's fascinating. I've followed this movie since its inception because <laughs> I was just fascinated by it. And it, it's amazing. <laughs> the, the Behind the scenes. Uh, then, after you do all the read-up and all the research, then go watch the film. And it's watchable. I watched it all the way through. I mean, it's bad, but Paul Schrader does his best to make it good. He's a good director. He just, in this, I mean, he took a chance right here, and it just didn't pan out. Uh, If she'd ever get her shit together, she'd probably be fine. I mean, she's one of those uh, people that down the road, maybe she'll have a a second act to her story, and it'll be totally fine, but right now, she's a mess. Uh, You know, I I even root for her. Go ahead, go. You know, if you come back again, good, great. That's awesome. Yeah. I have no hey, problem Robert, with that. Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. did it. He, yeah. Uh, no, you're good. <laughs> RDJ. Cut that. Uh, Travolta. <laughs> no, I'm not going to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, Robert Downey Jr., Travolta. Uh, there have been many people that have had that quote-unquote second act where they've come back and turned yeah. it around. I'm still rooting for uh, M. Night to turn it around and do better. Um, yeah. And, you know, that's great. Do it. But at this point, wow, that was rough. <sighs> and see, she was already in Dire Straits years ago. Right. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's not like this was just a, an all of a sudden thing. Like, I remember no. seeing her in, in, in a, a movie. I don't even remember what, remember what it's called. Uh, Killed Me Twice or... I, I literally, I, I don't know what it's called anymore, but... Even then, there was a lot of drama going on in her life, and um, since then, it's just been one thing after the other, after the other, after the other. And I agree, but you know, this was her big chance to really kind of bust back in, and this is Paul Schrader we're talking about. I mean, he's written a lot of huge yeah. movies, but he's also directed a, a fair amount of his own, American Gigolo. Uh, yeah. Cat People. Uh, Cat People. I really like Cat People. Going down the list here. Affliction. That was a good movie. Autofocus is amazing. Dominion, prequel to The Exorcist. Uh, it's, it's, uh, maybe his writing, directing, uh, writing credits are stronger than his directing, but nonetheless, he is a serious name, and he was giving her a real chance. He wrote frickin' Taxi Driver. <laughs> you know wow. what I mean? Raging Bull. It, it's... I don't know, man. Last Temptation of Christ. It's it, it's a weirdo, bizarro film, and you got to give it at least one look. Maybe not. You don't have to. But if you're going to, <laughs> at least look up all the backstory and all the drama before you go into it, because it makes yeah. it that more interesting. Otherwise, it's just a, a throwaway Hollywood thriller that's maybe directed a little more creatively. You know what I mean? Yeah, but wow. Anyway. Okay. Okay, and with that, let's wrap up this episode. Uh, as always, you can get a hold of us at moviefreakspod at yahoo.com. And please visit our friends Cinema Sidekicks and Cinema Soft Underbelly, both on iTunes. Uh, and that should do it. I'm Eric Barr. And 
I'm Eugene Weaver. throw up yeah. we got throw up all right okay so we dealt with my number 10 we'll get to your number 10 in just a sec won't take long seriously so I, okay i'm gonna keep recording yeah just, just let it go i'll be back in five ten minutes okay